And now, sifting through the static with your host, Justin Brenner. All right, we are live. Uh, thank you guys for joining me uh, on this Martin Luther King Day. Um, I have Dylan here with us, a uh, new member of the community, but I've been working with him personally for a while. Um, really, really smart guy, really specializes in CRO, uh, which, you know, obviously we have not done one of these uh, before on conversion rate optimization. So I feel like this is a, an awesome opportunity to learn from one of the best um, in the business. So, hey, Dylan, how's it going? Doing well yourself. Good. I am doing well. Um, you've been doing CRO for how long now? Um, I had a drop shipping store in college and I attribute my, I mean, everyone's competing for the same CPM with the same reused ads. So I could say 10 years because I would split test using splittest.com, which was full, full transparency, not my tool. I just got lucky with the domain. Um, yeah, I used to use that tool back when I was like 16, 17. So yeah, I've been doing some form of CRO for a while, but uh, yeah, about 10 years. And that's, and that's all you specialize. Like that's your thing is you don't, you know, you a lot of these agencies are on the block, you know, even like myself, I'll say we do CRO, but we don't do it. I don't do it to the full scale of where you specialize in, in it. And that's all you do. And that's what you specialize in. And that's where you put your yeah, we used to like my agency used to run ads facebook email seo but like you can't be the best at all of them it's just impossible and i saw that ad costs are only going to go up over time so that was about like three and a half four years ago and i let go of contracts with like geico planet fitness like gigantor contracts went broke for the year and uh now I'm not broke because uh, CRO is more important than ever. And it's been really solid. So um, yeah, we do absolutely nothing with CRO. We've got UX designers. We've got incredible developers because coding a split test is not as simple as coding something into a website. It's like 10 times more complex. We've got tons of data analysts, like just a 30 person team that like takes six specialists to run one CRO campaign. So it's not like a lot of these dev shops or design shops that say they do CRO or CRO is one listing of all of theirs. It's like, this is what you're specializing in. All we do. Yeah. What, so we'll, we'll dive in. We got some really cool stuff planned going through some, uh, if you have a website also, and you want us to look at it, if you want to drop it in the comments, um, I will look at that and we'll actually, if we get time, we'll rip apart a couple sites and actually he'll give us some tests that we can do uh, to where we can um, look at improving the- Is this getting uh, streamed on other platforms or just messages? Uh, it's only in the paid group. So this is only for a small sub sub subsidiary of what we have available for members. So it's like 1200, 1300 or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, so I'm really, really excited. We got some cool stuff planned. Um, first thing I want to do is talk about what I don't like about CRO agencies. Um, and the thing that really, and I've seen people fall, um, fall into this, but a lot of the CRO agencies out there, one of which is I'm trying to remember his name. You would know his name and it'll come to me, but I don't want to call him out, but I'll, I'll tell you after if I can remember it. They're charging you, basically they get you on and they charge you a percentage of revenue. And I think that is such bull crap because if you're a million dollar brand, I mean, I wish people would pay me percentage of revenue, but if you're like a million dollar brand and you go and implement a CRO test, you're going to have revenue flowing in already. And, and usually they do it, I think, on a percentage of lift between the A-B tests. So like whatever you lift, you get a percentage of. But when you're already doing volume like that and they make you sign a year contract and they get you on a percentage, I think it's just basically almost robbing people blind, um, in my opinion. 
How do you guys, what is your thoughts on that? And in terms of the landscape, what are you seeing in terms of pricing models across? Yeah, total bullshit. Um, I've tried every one of them. Um, The reason why percentage of revenue doesn't work is because a company can make the decision to go more profitable. But if you have a minimum, right, which is what these companies usually do, um, you could just be running email marketing and be profiting a ton of money every month because you've built it for 10 years, right? So it's like, you can sit on that. That's out of alignment. Also, media buying companies, when they go based on percentage of revenue, they're incentivized by revenue. The owners and employees are incentivized by profit for the company. So it's just a misalignment of like, structure, right? Where like, it just doesn't make sense for either party. It's like, it's not alignment unless it's a profit share, which gets, I I wouldn't profit share with any agency. I own brands as well. So like, I just wouldn't never do that. The percentage of revenue doesn't work. Then let's say percentage of lift, right? Even if it's a 95% confidence interval, there's still 5% chance that that's total BS that you're now making customers pay on because it's a false negative or false positive technically. And then a three on top of that, the lift is only in isolation. Think of it like, you know, economics where absolutely every single thing has to stay the same. And in isolation, that's the revenue lift you have, right? So it's really misleading because maybe CPMs go up the next month and it's really bad. Or let's say you forget to send your your email team sends one email a week instead of like three. Your conversion rate is going to go down. You're not going to get that full benefit because it's not in isolation. Let's say it's a, you know, time of year, seasonal business, all that type of stuff. If, you know, they run out of stock, their sales are going to drop and they still have to pay your giant, like ever growing revenue retainer. So it's like, there's really no, there's no thing that we've found for CRO other than charge a flat fee of like monthly and then communicate about bonuses, right? Like just, that's it. It's literally just think the key to all business is just communication. So it's like, if I sit down with a founder saying, Hey, we've been crushing it for you guys lately. Um, is it outrageous for me to ask for a little bit of a raise? I'm going to share this with my team. It's not for me. And like, you know, just like, there's a lot of beautiful ways that you can just communicate with business leaders to anyone who owns an agency or anyone who owns a, a brand, no matter what side you're on, just communicate. Don't try and have this crazy deal structure and just say, Hey, we've been doing a really good job for you. Would you mind this thing? Or as a brand, Hey, performance has been slipping a little bit. We're kind of tight on margins. Would you guys mind dropping your rate a little bit? Right. So it's like, just communicate no matter what side you're on. Communication is huge. That's a lot of uh, what people don't do or where they get in. That's the one thing about, I've always told people, especially getting into the industry is transparency and communication. A lot of false hopes, a lot of false promises. And as soon as you tell somebody something, even if it's, you know, Hey, we can come in and we can, especially like when you're like auditing stuff and I'm sure you don't do this, but I never come in and say, Hey, we can increase your conversion rate 2% or we can get your ROAS to 4.6 in 90 days because they're going to remember that. And it's time stamped in their head. And then in day 91, they come to you and say, Hey, you told me this, we're only at 3.7. And there's so many different factors that it's where I've seen a lot of people get into, into the weeds and get into trouble. Um, so but yeah, I, I guess let's let's dive in. I know you have some presentation stuff uh, ready um, if you want to share your screen. Um, and then if you guys have questions or if you do, again, want your website looked at, drop your website. Or if you don't want to put it in the main chat and I won't say who it is, just shoot me um, a Facebook message with the website and then I won't even 
bring names into it uh, if you do want something evaluated. So cool. And other question, is there a way that we could do like two-way communication at all? Or is it just kind of going to be a one-way stream? Um, it, if, if we want, if somebody wants to get on this Zoom, if they send me their thing and they want to get on, they're comfortable, I can give them the link and then we can let them on for sure. Cool. So I always find that to be really useful. Uh, what I call it is some extra New York love and you guys are going to get roasted pretty hard. So um, yeah, uh, New Yorker born and raised coffee in the morning. Uh, let me pull this up. Uh, are you in New York? I don't even know. Where are you, where are you at now? New York still? Yeah. Oh yeah. Every big streets, New York city. No, but I live in Brooklyn. I, if, if you guys are looking to visit, go to Manhattan. If you guys are looking to live in New York, go to Brooklyn because <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I have a backyard and trees. Like it's not very loud in Brooklyn, like, but I'm a 10 minute like train ride into the city and it's perfect. So I I've like, been, both. I've been there once and it was the worst. I stayed down in the financial district. Um, why would you ever that's that's where they put me up in for this this oh. big thing i had to do and it was off like the bed i had was like laying on freaking concrete and it was a nice hotel but i just i'm like i'm never coming back here again <laughs> yeah well please let me show you the right way how to new york because you definitely did it wrong um all righty so are you able to see full yep. screen yep. beautiful so um what we've learned after 2500 split tests um, I've been saying the flashy name recently that, um, we've optimized over a billion in client revenue, which I did the math and it's actually true. So we didn't, we didn't generate a billion in client revenue, but we've optimized a billion in client revenue. And I don't want to make any misleading claims about what percentage lift we gave, but our clients love us. So it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely a good one. So here's what we've learned. Um, and also just so you guys know, this usually lasts about like 10, 15 minutes. So it's not super long. And if anyone has questions, Justin, you can like interrupt me. I'll like pause at a couple spots if anyone has questions and more than happy to like go into it. Um, yeah, I usually tend to lean nerd and not beginner. So feel free to stop me in at any point. Um, a little bit on me. I'm the founder of splittesting.com, which uh, we're one of the top CRO agencies in the world. I've exited two e-commerce brands before. I have a portfolio of three supplement brands that are, you know, together eight figures, optimized over 3 billion in client revenue, which is the truth for the agency. I myself, a billion. I've launched 30 ICOs and blockchain startups. So crypto is quite a bit. Uh, I currently have a $0 position inside of crypto, really waiting for a larger crash before things something much larger, but this is not financial advice. Um, I did play tennis in college. That was always my life. Uh, I rock climb. And one time a girl in college called me attractive and that is displayed over to the right. So that is pretty much everything about me. Um, magic four questions of e-commerce, no matter how advanced you are, this is something that you should always go through and think of, which the four magic questions or magic answers are how many people visit your website, you know, every month or whatever duration you're talking about, how many of those people actually buy from you? When those customers spend money, how much do they buy? And then how many times do they come back per year to buy? Or, you know, again, whatever time you have. So it's just, what's your traffic? What's your conversion rate? Your average order value and your lifetime value. Those are the answers to those four really basic questions. And a lot of people really focus on one where if we can increase ad spend or if we can just increase conversion rate or if we could just bump up our AOV or if we could just get, you know, like all these levers together, what's really mind boggling is a 15% increase in traffic, 
15% increase in conversion rate, 15 in AOV, and 15% in life to, in LTV. Do you know that that doubles your business and profit? Just those numbers alone of compounding. So it's like people look to like, if we could double our AOV, it's like, no, like if you look at that, like why try a hundred percent increase anywhere? Take a 10% on all of these. And that's about a 70% increase in your entire business. So like that doesn't seem all that hard. So to all you super smart marketers that are doing your mad scientist stuff, like zoom out sometimes. That's why I always do this because it's really useful to know. And usually when you could look at businesses, there's some data points and you know, which of these levers need to get pulled. And to be honest, it's rarely number one. More paid traffic is rarely the answer. And what, so, what do you what do you see for a baseline and what's needed? Obviously, there's two different levels. Like people can do some basic CRO stuff, which we'll get into and like tools that they can use. But then there's obviously going to the level of hiring somebody like yourself. What is that baseline metric of traffic that you look like that you look for before you would turn a client away? So one thing that's that I always find interesting, it's an offhand metric where I heard product market fit is when you can do 3 million in revenue per year. But I heard for e-commerce, because it's so easy to start, it takes a million a year to find product market fit. So to do a lot of twiddling around, of course, things like offers, like a buy two, get one free or figuring out your post-purchase upsells, like all that type of stuff, really interesting. But the, the main thing about this, a long way is to say, there's, you're never too early to test. And that might seem like a, I've tested everything in my background, as you can see, but um, you know, it's that when you, the smaller your brand is, and I'll go into this later to get statistical significance is what everyone knows is what you need on a test. The smaller your sample size, the larger the difference you need to actually get to statistical significance. So if you're like changing entire landing pages, that's not always a great strategy to just like make 10 new landing pages. But, you know, I'd rather take one good landing page and test it 10 times instead of testing 10 new ones. But um, I digress. The answer is that you need to go for really large changes when you're very small. You can go for quote unquote smaller changes with higher confidence when you're a larger brand. So ultimately, if you get 10,000 visitors a month, which is really not that hard, it means you're spending $100 a day on Facebook or whatever platform. Um you've got enough traffic to at least do some really basic experimentation, even if it's just your headline, just your hero image, just, you know, a little thing, but also the ability to 50-50 A-B test the actual landing page you're pushing traffic to. So there's really no answer too small. Okay. Makes sense. Cool. Um, why CRO is important. Here's our four numbers, right? Three of the four, you need to use your website. So 75% of all of the e-commerce business is to do your, with your website and your website's your only salesman is my favorite way of, I say it, which is, you know, if you're actually in a sales organization, they care about your close rate. Right. But if they're being fed like terrible leads that are really crappy, then, you know, the close rate's going to be very low. So think of paid media and traffic as just like leads, right? Every time someone gets on your website, they're a lead to buy, but your conversion rate 
is effectively a salesman's close rate. That's why you can't judge a website on just conversion rate because you do not know the quality of like the traffic. So based on that quality of traffic, that's why you can never judge if your website is good or not on your conversion rate. And if any agency ever says, oh, you have a good conversion rate or you have a bad conversion rate, do not go with them immediately because they don't know what they're talking about. You have no idea the context as to what's a good or bad conversion rate. Not only that, but a lot of the times the level of the brand, like the level of the brand and the impact in terms of how much, how big the brand is, you know, because you can have a new, and I see it all the time, like, especially in the jewelry industry, you'll have a proven brand that's doing a million a month at a two, two and a half percent conversion rate unoptimized website. And you have a new brand that launches that doesn't have that brand notoriety. That's at a 0.5%, right? And their site, their site may look better. The price may be good, but nobody knows who they are. And that can take a year to two years to kind of build that awareness, notoriety, which vastly affects conversion rate, which can't really honestly be measured. Yep. I think you nailed it. And that's why like in the slide before this, it's like, you don't know the the quality of traffic. Like, and it's just the longer you age, the more you're known. It's also like, I don't love saying this, but the older and more mature you are as a business, the shittier your website can be. Mm-hmm. And the more you can get away with. So yeah, like rock and rolling on this, like whoever named conversion rate optimization is a giant fat dummy because your conversion rate really is a vanity metric when isolated, like, you know, like put, put in isolation, it's a total like vanity metric. It really just sucks. So clients come to me like Dylan, we hired you and now our conversion rate is lower. So here's a bunch of things that are very normal on every single business that quote unquote, destroy your conversion rate the seasonality of a business. People are like, well, we do less sales, but why is our conversion rate so low? It's well, you dummy, like people aren't searching for, you know, in New York, people aren't searching for, you know, new surfboards as much. And if they are, they're just browsing in the winter because not as many people use them. So your conversion rate naturally goes down. If you run out of stock of your popular products, okay, conversion rate immediately go down because people went to look for those best sellers and they bounced because they didn't have their favorite thing they wanted to go back and buy lower conversion rate, quality of traffic being driven to your website. The more you spend on ads to cold traffic, meaning the more you're scaling, the lower you should expect your conversion rate to be. If you can double your ad spend while keeping the same conversion rate, you're a legend. It means you're killing it, right? That means you're working on CRO at the same time as media buying. Media buying in isolation cannot do that. There might be bugs in your website which show up. You know, Shopify has lovely third-party apps which make it less reliant on hard code, but horrible when they make random updates, stuff happens. Changes on your website that were not measured in a formal test, like, oh, we have a, you know, Labor Day sale kind of thing. Here's a giant, like, whatever. You may be wrong. You may have put in something that hurts conversion rate. Poor reputation and negative word of mouth to a lot of you drop shippers out there. Love all you guys used to be there. I know it's just a business model, but taking a product from China and shipping it over, you're probably going to get a poor reputation and negative word of mouth, especially if like people on social media give you bad reviews and that type of stuff that can hurt your conversion rate. Poor customer support time, people get really upset and increasing top of funnel on the ad budget is always something that's going to hurt. That's exactly what I said before, but these are all things that drop your conversion rate. And your business can be growing and scaling and scaling, but your conversion rate specifically as a number looks worse. That's okay. As long as you're scaling, profit margins are looking good. You know, your revenue is going up, like proportionally, your margin's not dropping. Like 
that's great. So the impetus on, on conversion rate, especially when you have a CRO agency or you're doing a CRO campaign, like there's certain ways to measure it, which I'll go into in a bit. One um, thing I don't see on there, and if you're, if you're a brand owner and you deal with agencies, keep this in mind, because this is the biggest thing that I see teams struggle with is, and give your agency a break, but scarcity and like sending emails. You know, if you go from 20 emails a month last year, and now you're sending eight to a week, you're going to probably see an impact on conversion rate and possibly revenue, um, which a lot of people completely forget about. There's a lot of in-house marketing things, we call it, that obviously affect that as well, that a lot of people just forget about on top of what you've said, seasonality, stock, and all that kind of stuff, which that's hard to monitor year over year unless you have somebody actually writing down, you know, a lot of people will come back and we see it all the time is, oh, my revenue's down this year. Okay, well, look at your year-over-year revenue. You had these huge flash sales you ran. You're not running those now. And you've sent half as many emails. Why would you even begin to think you're going to be where you are at or more? Like, you know, almost all business owners blame their conversion rate and no one loves their media buyers. That's pretty much it. (laughs) Never enough. And there's one that I added in there, which is actually economic factors, right? Like in a recession, like when things are going really poorly and even a depression, like you cannot expect to have the same conversion rate. It's just like things outside of our control. So super important there as well. Like there's a holiday or things like that, just things that are there. So my CRO philosophy is super underwhelming. It's whoever understands their customers the best will make the most profit. So it's a race to who can understand their customers the best. Me and Justin can have identical like identical brands, every single thing, the same website identical, but the domain is different. We will have different demographics that we've reached across our paid media and whoever, which Justin or I will go head to head. Whoever understands our cohort of customers better will win. And that's the whole point. So there's five major sources for Intel, which is in order of the importance, right? Which is customer feedback surveys are our number one way of getting feedback. Number two is data analysis, which we use Google Analytics, right? Like that's just the best way on site. Competitor analysis, seeing what everyone else is doing. Heat maps and screen recordings, to be honest, this should probably be number one. Um, then exit intent surveys are important. There is Hotjar, which is the number one player right now, but I will give a spoiler later. I've spent the past 12 months of my life rebuilding the world's greatest heat map in the world, and it's going to absolutely blow your mind no matter what type of marketing you do. Uh, I have a sign-up link later, which I'll show and just shamelessly promoting. So Hotjar is the industry standard, but very soon to change. So these are the five courses. I I actually prefer mouse flow over hot jar. I'll give you a demo after, and you're going to hate every heat map. Oh, I'm sure, but I I hate (laughs) hot jar. Yeah, they they all suck, to be honest. No one likes them. No one's like uh, passionate about their heat map. You know, no one's like, man, I love this heat map tool. So the thing about collecting this data is that there's qualitative and quantitative data. So quantitative is Google Analytics. Everything else is qualitative right? Like that's just how it goes. Qualitative is like the creative, quantitative is just numbers. This is what I look at as like the data analytics funnel, which is, you know, this is the same way of just showing this, but just 
all into a funnel, which shows you ultimately what you need, right? So it's like the same way you have like an email funnel, like, you know, or a, you know, ads funnel, top, middle, bottom of funnel, like, you know, heat maps and data analytics are really like your bottom of funnel. This is your top of funnel stuff. So I have this actually very intentional and I should explain that a little bit better. That this is your bottom of funnel. This is your top of funnel. So first start up here, then go down here and, you know, you'll get your real juicy stuff. So um, that's what it looks like. Then if you guys remember the scientific method, which you learned back in, I think, fourth grade, maybe, uh, you know, you have a question or observation, you research, you make a hypothesis, you test it with an experiment, you analyze the data, you report conclusions, you hopefully get an A on your test. I didn't always get A's, but uh, now it works for me and I'm back to, you know, back to the cycle. So this scientific method quite literally is the way that you do experimentation properly. And it's not just a formality. Like this really is how you have to do it. And it's not BS. Like in copywriting, you have to make a customer avatar. If you don't make a customer avatar, it's really hard to like dive deep into your copywriting to do good CRO experiments. It's really bullshit if you don't go through all of this. So you're just taking best guesses like, man, I think this would look better. But anytime you use the word I inside of your marketing, you're probably doing it wrong because you're probably not in the demographic and you're also just one person. So you just really can't go based on that. So we'll give an example of a sneaker company um, in the observation question. Um, I can honestly skip this just as I go through, but like just to, to zip through it, right? Like let's say... Um, 80% of our customers are females over males, but we don't have demographic data over uh, which sneakers the women buy versus the men buy. You just don't know. So the research topic area is if we lean into females, you know, the female versus male is the whole topic area. The hypothesis now is, okay, well, let's double down on our 80-20. We don't want to be a women's shoe brands, but what if we have a female model on the homepage? Right now there's male and female. Test it with an experiment, have a couple of, you know, variations and go put it into Google Optimize and test it, analyze your data, report the conclusions, and now you're back at observa observation and question. This is actually really where the magic happens, because let's say that female, you double down. Now you say, okay, what is our age of female? Now it's called a follow-on test. Follow-on tests are 10 times more valuable than a test in isolation because if you find something that works, doubling down on that thing that worked is going to make this test 10 times more important, right? Because now if you have female models really work, okay, well, what if we change our product images too? Now let's make the hypothesis, go through, get new images. Obviously it's not easy to grab, but like if you go through and do it, you go through your, your, you know, it's just the cycle continues and continues and continues. So it's really that ability to like have a test, say, what can we learn from this test and move to the next one? It sounds the most corny and like arbitrary, but it's so freaking important. That's where you just get the most of your value. So that's what this looks like if you're just going through for a sneaker company. Um, configuring Google Analytics. Um, this is something in an old one. If you obviously don't have Google Analytics, don't worry about it. I know that y'all are pretty advanced marketers. Um, there's a couple of gems on Google Analytics that I have. This is kind of, you know, what's super important. So these gems on Google Analytics are numbers you probably have not known before. Um, new versus returning users. It's actually supposed to be between 10 and 20% of globally. So if you go to audience, interests, and then overview uh, on Google Analytics, obviously GA4 is coming up, but this is just for universal, universal analytics for now. GA4 absolutely sucks. And uh, I have a fun story for you, Justin, I'll tell you after, but I can't broach any uh, three-letter contracts. 
Yeah, I did just post a really in-depth, it's like a 30-page article um, on how to set up GA4 um, in the group. So if you look at my posts, it's very, very robust. Um, the guys are super legit. Check that out. I've been following them for a long time. And that's what I have based awesome. on my GA setups for in the past on. Sweet. Love it. Um, so this hidden number of returning percentage, if it's 20%, that means you're getting a lot of return users and you should push more top of funnel. If you're below like 10%, meaning you're like at like five, six, 7% returning visitors, that either means number one, you're pushing too much top of funnel for max profitability, or you can add in more retargeting and get more people there. Retargeting can obviously be ads. Native ads are great for that retargeting as well as email and SMS. It's just ultimately saying if you're below that 10% returning users, bump that number up. If you're above 20% returning users, bump up that ad spend. So that's just a hidden thing. Uh, these affinity groups, so you go to audience, interests, and overview. Um, I love using these. Google is obviously the king of data. So this was actually for a um, for a supplement company, food and dining, cooking enthusiasts, and 30-minute chefs. Who the heck knew that that was an affinity category? But what I did was I've always been uh, of the broad mentality. I know that that's like really a, a hot topic at the moment, but for my brands, that's what's working. But then I started and then shoppers and bargain hunters were number two. I made uh, an affinity group or like, you know, like a target of just bargain hunters and it smashed it out of the park on my, on my Facebook ads. So using this Google affinity groups is something that like a lot of people don't do in Google analytics that I can't recommend enough. Um, same thing here. You can literally see conversion rate per interest group. So that's overview I just showed you. If you actually click into affinity categories, you can literally see what percentage of users of those ones, what conversion rate was there? Did they bounce off the page a lot? Did they not? Did they stay there? So not only can you see what groups you should be targeting, but the quality of those groups, right? And this is how I dug in super deep to actually find that like, you know, bargain hunters, kind of thing. You'll see it's number two in terms of quantity, but you know, after that, it was a lot different. So um, again, going into Google search console, you do need to hook this up inside of Google analytics, but um, for this brand, you can see just a lot of branded keywords were the biggest ones, but turmeric and ginger gummies were really like the num the first non-branded keyword that came up. So we just smashed that in our ads. And that one really helped us a lot, like using that exact turmeric and ginger gummies instead of like turmeric gummies or ginger gummies or turmeric and ginger. Like we just use turmeric and ginger gummies down to the exact best keyword you rank for that is not, um, that is not branded. That's something else that's really useful in Google analytics that you should be leveraging. Um, any questions at that point? Is there anyone in the chat that has questions? You yourself, uh, I, Justin? I do got two people to roast. So when we get through this, I'll have one come on at a time. So cool. Awesome. So I'm also writing a book, Fun Facts. I've just been making a lot of content lately. Uh, and one of the things, this is an independent study that I did with over 2000 e-com stores. It's called the four quadrants of traffic. So welcome to the nerd zone. We use this in our agency all the time. It's our favorite, uh, favorite little guy. So quadrants of traffic. What this is, is new and returning users against mobile and desktop users. So I'm happy to say I put out a trademark on this and I got it. So this is completely all from you guys are maybe the third group that's ever hearing about this. You have you can break your users into four major groups, which is mobile and desktop, new and returning. So it's first time mobile visitors, first time, or sorry, returning mobile, 
desktop first time, returning desktop, right? So those are the four quadrants that you can have. Here, this is just the ways that typically those tra that traffic tends to come. Uh, email and SMS is desktop returning. Email, SMS, paid traffic retargeting is more on mobile. Like this is pretty like, you know, anything top of funnel, affiliate, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. It's pretty simple how those all go down. But this is where it starts to get super interesting. Across 2000 stores, 68% of the traffic was new mobile users. 14% of the traffic was new desktop users. Returning users was 14% and 3%. Again, remember that between 10 and 20% that I gave you guys, you add the two of these returning users, that's 17%. That falls right in the middle. It actually falls more towards people who could be scaling their brand more versus are being a little bit more consistent. That might be the times we're in that people are trying to just get that EBITDA up, but something super interesting. Now to make it even more, this is the conversion rate of those four quadrants. So mobile new users return, you know, typically at 0.5%. Desktop users on new 1.45%. You can see that it's triple the conversion rate and triple the conversion rate for desktop versus mobile. Uh, sometimes I've seen a lot of brands recently, like it's higher to bid on desktop traffic, but if it's trip, if it's double the CPM, but triple the conversion rate, it obviously makes sense to target just desktop. So sometimes I, what I've recently done is do 100% broad targeting except for just desktop traffic. So that's something that's really interesting about you know the quadrants of traffic. The returning mobile users is really where a lot of it comes from. A lot of people say, oh, 2% is the industry standard conversion rate, but that's BS. But also there's some validity in it where this is just across 2000 stores makes a lot of sense, right? This is also pretty typical for most brands for those that aren't too familiar with conversion rate, that's typically how it's going to look for most. Your desktop is always going to be everything that I've seen convert at a much higher pace because uh, it's just easier to shop on desktop and do research, especially if you have a very, uh, you know, if you're in a very, well, now, now consumers are doing a lot more research than they used to be, but depending on your niche and stuff, you know, desktop is a lot easier to do research and look at competitive analysis of what the product they're trying to buy and do research. So, and very soon on the software that I've built, you'll be able to do just as much on mobile. I'm very excited to say. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is pretty much like just like a, a classic example. I made the four of these into, um, custom segments on Google analytics, and you can see 62%, 14%, 3.5%, and 16%. That's right around, you know, these numbers right here. So you can see exactly. And then conversion rates literally 4.15, 1.76, 1.45, and 0.57. I think this was like the closest I was able to see. And you're also able to see like, this is maybe like three or $4 million in sales. So pretty average. And this is also a June to July, which I feel like is a pretty neutral time of year for, you know, e-commerce so well together. So the reason why this is important is that when you go into measuring split tests, you have to look at both mobile desktop, new and returning separately. Like the reason why those four quadrants of traffic is that you can have, you can knock it out of the park on your mobile users, but completely lose it in your desktop users. You can have, you know, uh, your, any new user that sees something on a, like maybe a new hero image, it literally doubles your conversion rate on your new view, new users, but your returning users goes by, you know, divided by four. It just absolutely sucks. And that's where a lot of your conversion rate comes from. So 
it's like you have to look at all four of these individually and judge split tests, not on just the global conversion rate, global average order value, global revenue. You have to break it into these four quadrants. This is how my agency goes through and actually measures tests. So this is really for every part of e-commerce, but obviously split testing the most. Um, going into more of the nerd stuff, statistical significance and statistical power. Everyone hears about stat sig, and I'm calling it stat sig, stat power, a lot of a uh, lot less syllables. Stat sig is statistical significance is how significant a delta or like a change is in an experiment. So it's like what percentage lift compared to what you were getting before. But what statistical power is, so it's like, here's the thing. I can flip a coin three times, twice its heads, once its tails. If you plug that into a statistical significance calculator, it's going to be very statistically significant, damn near 100%. But the statistical power of that is going to be like 1%. Because statistical power is if you repeat this test a thousand times, how many times will you get the identical same results? So that's where, you know, they say that tests are underpowered and they don't have enough data behind them. That's where statistical power comes from. Luckily, don't fret about the actual mathematics. You plug it into a calculator and you're good. But it's the important part that things can be statistically significant, but not statistically powered enough to make an ultimately decision on whether you should implement the test or not. So rocking and rolling on there, this is really just a breakdown. 95% of statistical significance is the golden number. You guys can go through, pause this and read. Same with statistical significance, whatever. Uh, gold standard of statistical power is 80%. You want the stat power to be 80%. So why stat power is important kind of went around in that. It's not super hard. Here's just like a testing calculator where you can just like always make sure you're clicking two-sided tests. Let's say you have a hundred thousand, let's say 10,000 users on this, right? Uh, let's say we have a 2% conversion rate would be 200. So let's say we're 220, so 2.2, and then like 2.8, right? So 280. Apply the changes. You'll see here the p value. This is a 99% statistical significant, right? That's like super high. And observed power is 97%. That means like this is a grand slam dunk. But let's start to go to like 270, see where it goes, 260, see where it goes. Now you're starting to like lose that observed power below that number you want. P-value is still good. That's 94. Like P-value is just 100% minus the P-value gives your statistical significance. So this 0.06 is really like 0.94, which is 94%. So you just have to take a look at this. And if you add a zero onto all of these, even though this is under... Uh, powered. If you add a zero to all of those, observed powers can never be 100%, but you see what I'm talking about. So it's like, that's the difference in it, which is if you have enough data behind it, like some people also say, oh, you need a thousand conversions before you can even look at a test. That is also total bullshit. If you can have as few sessions as you want, as long as that statistical significance and power hit those thresholds, I don't care how little data you have. It's so hard to get that type of difference to have both of those accurate with little data that it needs to be a knock out of the park if those two work. So anyone who also tells you you need a thousand conversions is a respectful moron or they just don't know what they're talking about and they're too overconfident. So don't listen to that of thousand conversions either, but that is pretty much long story short. You don't need to be advanced. Uh, abtestguide.com slash calc. I have no affiliation. This is just what we use because it's really good. Um, 
That is pretty much it. Um, any questions from you, Justin? Any questions? From uh, there's one. So, Robin, if you want to come on, I sent you the link in your DM. Uh, we'll do your website first. Probably give about six, seven minutes to each site because um, I want to keep this to an hour. There is cool. one question that did come in while we're waiting for her to come in. Um, and I'll drop her website in the chat here. Uh, what are some effective tactics besides <laughs> presenting value and, and price anchoring? Uh, which is basically doing bundles, if you're not familiar with price anchoring, that will boost conversion rate after a consu after consumer sees a premium price. Um, on a premium price, so really giving value, right? Like if I'm trying to sell you a pen that is $2, I don't really need to give you a lot of, you know, reasons to buy the pen. It's like, hey, it's right here. I don't know if you guys saw Wolf of Wall Street. It's like, hey, can you write down your name? Uh, no. Okay. Then you need this pen. It's $2. So it was a really good one. I love that example. But I mean, if you're selling a $2,000 pen, there's a lot more to be explained there that people need to know. If you have a $2,000, you know, order on e-commerce and you don't have a ton of content supporting it, it's going to be pretty hard to convince them. They're like taking a flyer on you. You want them to feel comfortable. So let's say you're like Purple Mattress. I can't name the name, but I've done one of their large competitors where average order value was $2,400 online. And we had to put so much long, like the product pages were pretty much long form landing pages because people needed so much content in there to gain enough confidence to actually spend over two grand. So for luxury brands, that content really is the difference maker. Uh, that link is just wants me to email you. Is that what you want people to do when I take a picture of yep. that? Absolutely. Okay. So the one thing I'll, I'll uh, shout out here from the rooftops, um, I've been working on a game changer CRO software. Like all the questions that you've had about your website will be able to get answered by the tool that I created, like without very much human intervention. Like it's actually like, to be honest, I was always like, man, what could I do to just like knock it out and just have to do a quarter of the thinking that I do right now. And I created this tool. So if you guys hover over the QR code, it'll email me um, just in the beta test. I have like a certain format. So just send me that email to the beta test right now. It's on wait list. It's not a live software yet. Uh, it will be, I just made an acquisition of a killer name and you guys will really enjoy it. So uh, if you guys want early access, it's 30% off for lifetime discount, but you're going to be on the wait list. We'll help you. It's a beta and uh yeah, you'll get some one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with me as well. So rock and roll, that's it. Put, and Put the uh, domain for the first one in the chat if you want to see that. Awesome. This is, the memes are important. So it's ready to be roasted. Robin, how are you? The max letters, how are you? Hey, can you all hear me? Yes, I can hear yeah. Hello, Robin. Alrighty, let me uh, pull this up. Hopefully you've been getting some lovely value so far. Um, okay. So Robin, before I go into and really look at the website, can you tell me what your store sells? Like, tell me about your brand. Give me like three sentences. Yeah, we sell a story by mail subscription for kids. So it's a year long snail mail subscription that primarily moms and grandmothers purchase for their kids age eight to 14. And it tells the story, just one story over the course of a year through 24 letters. Beautiful. I love that. So here's my first uh, question. 
Is any of that experience, is any of that communicated by what we're looking at right now? Um, I think so. Uh, I would venture to say not, right? So a story experience delivered by mail, that's good, but what type of story? Who's it for? Um, we really need to like, let them know exactly like the second they look, we call it the three second test where in three seconds, by looking above the fold on the homepage, you should be able to look at a website for one, two, three, remove it and know exactly what it is. So you'll be like, okay, it's some form of story that's delivered by mail. You don't really know that it's for kids. You don't really know what it teaches. You don't really know that it's over. It does say a year long epic fantasy adventure told through illustrated chapters addressed to them. So I think that you can tighten up your copywriting here, but then number two, this font is a little bit hard to read, right? It's not super easy. And then this font kind of blends in with the background. So it's a lovely photo back here. I would also rather you, cause like here I can see that there's like physical things that are sent. I'd rather you show the product above the fold instead of this like I'll use the word arbitrary, even if this is like the whole, like, you know, the first photo in, you know, like a beautiful, like it's also beautiful art, but we're not selling art here. We're selling like a story and, you know, something that people get value from. So I would change really almost everything about this. I do like that there's a testimonial here. There's also no call to action button, right? They need to be able to shop right then and there. So, so I would change. In our testing, because I have done some um, split testing on this site, we found that removing that call to action button improved our conversion rate um, because people were clicking that and going immediately to the price and um, opting out at that point. And it improved for us when we sort of forced them to scroll through and see some of the information between this and the initial call to action. Awesome. Um, do you mind me asking how much like, you spend on ads per month just so I can get like an estimation of your traffic? Yeah, we spend about 400 a day. So Got whatever it. that is. Are you, pushing it, are you pushing it to the homepage like your traffic? I am. This is our, this is our landing page. Um, and the ad that consistently outperforms every other ad is the picture of the envelope um that says your kid's name here and so that starts initially with a clear idea of okay this is snail mail and so that's another yep. reason why I went with a header that's more about what this story looks like um, well I would double down on that then right if you're telling me that your best performing ad is literally this image right here why not have that above the fold and like people can see it right away because that actually increases trust across from the ad to the landing page, right? Like if the, there needs to be continuity from the ad to the landing page, it's like a hot topic right now. That's very important. Having okay. the identical image is very useful, especially with static images. So that's something I would test again, like what exactly will be best back here. I can just tell you that this image can definitely be beaten in a split test. Okay. And also something that works really well is front facing, right? So like maybe a mother or father, like with their children here, I don't know what type of images you have, but like, you know, if you have that on this side, like, you know, front facing humans, and then on the right, the envelope, like there's some really crafty ways that you can could just kind of increase trust that what you're saying is true and they can immediately see it, right? Like theoretically with that image, they should be able to understand what you're selling without even reading, right? So it's like just by reading or just by looking.
they should be able to understand what the product is. And immediately that'll decrease bounce rate. People will scroll further down the page, ultimately increasing your conversion rate. So hopefully that's a valuable one there for you. Um, have you have you thought about have you thought about also adding some type of I, I don't know if your site has other pages anywhere but like kind of breaking it out into like maybe a a, a menu that would say how the subscription works a pricing model so that way if I actually want to see pricing and I'm interested I don't actually have to scroll all the way down to the bottom to find that but I can use and, and quickly hyperlink because the purpose of the homepage and Dylan maybe you have a different perspective on this but. The purpose of the homepage or the where they land is to basically get them to as quickly as where they want to go. If they want to learn more about pricing, if they want to learn more about how the subscription works, or even having just quick scrolls. So, I mean, if you want to do a one-page lander, you could even just build it into where they click pricing. It'll actually just scroll, you know, to that to that section. I'm not a huge fan of that because that can limit some of the things that you can do with building audiences and stuff, but um. I don't know if you've tested anything like that, but that might so be also realistically um, to to customers. It feels a little sketchy not seeing like like you lose trust with people when you, when you don't have a menu. Right. Like why would a web like like what's the last website you went to that had no menu? You'd be like, That's interesting. Um, I actually went backwards. We started that way and then I decided to go more landing page style. And make <laughs> make our home more of a landing page um, rather than traditional, you know, website homepage that has the menu. So you'll see yeah. find all that in the footer. Um, just because I'm used to running in the past to a ClickFunnels landing page. Yeah, totally understand. I mean, I think that having a true homepage for what a homepage is, but then duplicating this page if it's working for you on traffic have this as its own standalone landing page, not the home page, right? So um, yeah, it's it's interesting just because having these down there, I would trust this website way more because it's also your children, right? Like that's a sacred thing. Like your children's brain and your children's like ethos and soul and who they are. Like this is something that's very beautiful and can help. But if it's like a story that's not, you know, well taken care of, like parents shop aggressively for their kids. So anything to do with trust will immediately help. So hopefully that helps as well. Um, meet the creators, right? Like I actually would love for this to be higher on the page, especially for something as like intimate as this. Uh, like what we've actually been finding as a trend is about the founders higher up on the page has been crushing lately because if two founders are willing to put their face on it, it's not some like scummy marketing company, right? Like that's just, granted, there's a lot of beautiful brands that don't put the founder's face on it, but especially for unknown brands, when a founder is willing to put their face on, it just increases trust tremendously. So that's a split test that's really easy. You can implement it in five minutes, um, but I would take this and move it up a lot. That's interesting. So where would be the first place that you would test placing that? You could put it in the menu, even in the menu nav, meet the founders across the top. Yeah, exactly. Have your own page and a video. Like if you had a video intro of like you talking to like, I would like to know why you created, maybe like your dad created this subscription for his grandkids in it. I would like to know more about the story behind why it was created and see that via video. Because like he was saying, trust video puts that with 
trust in, in video, I I know that that's not just a random picture of some guy. Yeah. Off Anybody can put a picture there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you just asked quickly, because I know we do have like another seven minutes. So I want to get to that other website as well. So you have your hero image. You have a year's worth of adventure. So you tell them a little bit more about the content. I would put it right here. So people are a lot more likely. So like they can learn a little bit more about the product, like through this section, and then it goes straight to the founders. So I would put that technically in what I call the third bucket, right? Like this is the first bucket. This is second. I would make it the third one. So you're saying right under that. So there's three bullets there, a year's worth of adventure, a delightful snail mail experience, and then something about bonding with your kid. You're saying break those up and wedge it in between. Yeah, I would put it above a delightful snail mail experience. So I would just put the photo of the two people and the content right here. But also I would test it. I wouldn't just change it. Everything we're telling you, don't go and change it. Actually roll out a A-B test, do it proper and, and see how the results differ. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Robin. I hope this was useful for you. And um yeah, appreciate it. Um, you you have my email. If you looked at the uh, the QR code, I'm always open for questions. I don't charge for consulting. Uh, if there's any support you need, if there's anything literally that I can do to support you, uh, feel free to email me. And one thing, Robin, we are going to start doing, I haven't posted about it yet, so you're actually the first person I'm t- telling, but I'm going to start like more of the small group stuff. Probably like it's going to be limited, but probably every single Friday, there'll be eight to 10 people. There'll be more like small group stuff. And it's not going to be posted anywhere. It's not going to be recorded. It's going to be more just small groups getting together to, to be able to do this kind of stuff and help one another um, off off of actual, you know, Facebook. Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. Have a good one, Robin. Uh, Thanks, is, Robin. The, is the founder and- of this one here? Yeah, he's just came in. Him and uh, Muhammad and Val, I believe. Hello, Muhammad and Val. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. All righty. So here's a little New York love for you. Um, skin quiz. That is not a very good uh, headline that's above this image, right? Maybe it's different on actual mobile. So tell me if I'm off for anything, because obviously I'm expect- inspecting it. Uh, reveal your ideal skincare routine in 60 seconds. Uh, that should really be what's up here, right? So it's like, I would recommend something like take a quiz to reveal your ideal skincare routine in 60 seconds and put that above the video. Or actually tell them one thing that you could do is tell them, take this quiz to reveal in order to get That's the right exactly routine. it. Take this quiz to, right to reveal yeah. ideal you know, skincare. To get the right routine to better your skin or give them the solution to the issue up above the full, above the video. So they know what they're taking the test for. Yeah, exactly. Like long story short, take this put it above the fold or above the video right here and test a couple of variations. And um, bet you steak dinner that one of those is going to guarantee to increase conversion rate, especially if you push traffic to this it should make a massive difference. Um, that's number one. Um, number two, if this is your lander lander, right? Is this where you guys are pushing traffic to? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, how much, uh, how much of spend are you pushing a day? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, right now, not much, uh, under under $30 a day. Okay, got it. So um, if you can afford it, I'd really bump that up to 100 a day. You're just going to get a lot more results and faster um, because that alone is going to help improve it a lot. Um, Tolstoy, uh, transparently, I'm 
invested in a competitor called VideoWise. VideoWise has way better conversion rates. I've literally A-B tested Tolstoy against VideoWise. So, uh, you know, full disclosure that I am an investor. I always like just being fully ethical and <laughs> forward about it. But also Tolstoy has sometimes like the site speed is really bad on Tolstoy and video-wise, I've just learned a lot more. So, you know, you to to similar, uh, similar quiz uh, flow on video-wise. I yeah. used video-wise and we, we didn't find that option, which is why we switched to Tolstoy actually, because video-wise was our primary selection. Got it. Perfect. Yeah, they're they're implementing it. I believe they've just implemented it on the quiz. So you can totally go into that. Um, but yeah, they are slightly different. But for now, you can totally use this. That was just a little bit of a side note. Um, so if you're pushing this, I would actually remove almost all of this footer. If it's a landing page, I would also remove all of this, right? Like literally making the most boring thing, remove this, remove the menu, remove their ability to do absolutely anything on the website but start the quiz. So remove this up here, make this not link, remove search, remove the bar, remove absolutely everything. You still need this right here for like compliance purposes, but delete absolutely all of this. So give them absolutely nothing to do, but click this button. Make sure you keep privacy policy in terms of service. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, compliancy. Um, Just make sure you have at least that for Facebook. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like this down here, or it's reserved, this thing right here. So it's like, just delete literally everything in your header that you can, or footer that you can, and then delete these, right? Because you're landing here and they're like, eh, I don't really know what this is. And then they're going to go like click on something else and like start to look at the shop or whatever. But then you kind of got off on a bad foot, if you know what I mean. Like, like they don't really trust it right away. You need to force them into one process. So what I would do is duplicate this page. Um, make it like skin-quiz-one and just 50-50 URL redirect it. You can Google at a URL redirect test on Google Optimize and it's free. So highly recommend doing that. Just cut off all of this header, cut this announcement banner off, cut all of this, and then put the uh, proper headline above the image so they see it right away. And I think you should see absolutely brand new results on your ads. I would also say I'm kind of was watching the video over here. I would split test a different model as well. Yeah. Depending on your demographic, like, I don't know if this is your like actual uh, customer avatar, but if it's middle-aged women, you should have a middle-aged woman. If it's mostly people who are black, put someone who's black. Like, you know, it's like very important to like lend, lend that to your actual demographic. Like I could tell you my wife coming to this, seeing somebody with that kind of nose ring would automatically register punk rock skincare vibe and she would just knowing my wife she probably would not look any further just based off of the look of that model but that's something i would test and prove out and see what converts better but usually you can get some pretty significant pretty significant lift in, in model testing yep so any questions, guys otherwise i mean that's a lot of call to actions for you to do if you do those two things i mean i think you guys should see a brand new cpa for you sounds good we'll get to work on it Awesome. You got it, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for keeping this to time. Um, I will, I got to run and do something. So I will connect with you a little bit after. But if you guys have any questions or you want to chat with Dylan, he is in the group. Just tag him. I believe you're in the group now, right? You got accepted and everything in. Um, if not, let me know and I'll have Christy send you over the stuff again. But I think you did. Um, but if you have any questions, just let him know or tag me. Um, 
I'm 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 also very happy to dive in and help wherever I can. I don't know how to do the as well as I can talk about things to test, but obviously he's the expert. We didn't even get into the implementation of that. To me, that's what makes conversion rate testing. That's the most difficult part, even is the actual measurement piece of what tools are you using? The coding piece is the, the biggest nightmare of actually, you know, setting up your test proper, coding them right, all that stuff, which is, you know, everybody thinks it's easy, but it's not necessarily always easy. Cause I've even noticed with, cause real quick, what software do you, do you use to do your tests? Google you, Optimize. Okay. And I've noticed some bugs in Google Optimize. If you're doing some simple stuff to where you can easily get some bugs that you may not know, unless you do the test. Quite yeah. So the WYSIWYG editor where you like pull things around and move them, that breaks your website. You have to edit it in raw code. Right. If you don't do that, you're very prone to bugs. Yep. Yep. Okay. So yeah, if you have awesome. any questions, let us know. Um, I will connect with you a little bit later this afternoon, Dylan. That works for Got you. Got it. Cool. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You got it, Joseph.